All right, off we go. Hello and welcome to Hi, Hello, or No, the podcast where we discuss films and whether they are high art, low art, or no art at all. This is season two, and this season time two at we, last we made it. We made it. Thank you, George. Um, this season we are discussing romance films. We started off with superheroes at George's request, and now we are on to the steamy world of romance. The steamy world of romance. Now, I'd like to just get this sorted now. Um, there has been a, um, a, uh, a requisitioning of my favourite word that I am not allowed to use for this series of the podcast. So every time I say... Ho- oh, oh, sorry, we'll try that again. I'll have to edit this in post. But every time I say... We're not allowed to have uh, me say that word. So I'm just going to start that off now for the rest of the romance series. No more talk of... Oh, sorry, I should, I should probably say The word is horny. Fuck's sake. But uh, yeah, Joe, Joe and Martin don't remember this, but they requested that I do that for this series back in like October. No, I do remember, but I just <laughs> sort of blanked I, it out. I remember I requesting re- not to say the word. I didn't request that we just bleep out every time you say it. No, no, no. I just wanted to show off the bleep function. <laughs> uh, no, I, I will, will, I'll think of synonyms. That's what I'll do. But yes, we're doing romance. My possibly favorite genre of anything. Gay. Oh no, so, so very gay. I just, I love... To quote my favorite podcasters, uh, uh, David Sims of Blank Check and the Atlantic Writer, there is nothing better than two people kissing. There's nothing better than it. Joe, do you agree? What about dinosaurs? No, yeah, dinosaurs are great, yeah. You know, that's the only reason Jurassic Park is really good. There mm-hmm. is kissing. Wait, is there kissing in Jurassic Park? I think they don't kiss. I can't remember. There's years that, since I've seen that. There's film. a kiss in Jurassic World that is terrible, but uh, we won't well, talk whole about film it. is terrible. But we're talking about romance. We are George. talking about romance. You say we did superheroes at my request, and that's true. But we started superheroes with Joker, one of your favorite movies, Joe. Well, you requested the genre. I requested a film. Yes. And who um, are you? What's your name? Joseph. And my name is George. And I'm Martin. Nice segue. Uh, wonderful. But yes, we, we did superheroes. I thought it was interesting to do superheroes as like the most middle-brow mainstream entertainment four-quadrant blockbuster dominating the culture now and pick a lot of things that were like a little bit more left to center in that series. But we did, uh, we did some- It was like a gateway, wasn't it? Yeah. And now we're really getting into the thick of it. Well- but this is the thing. Romance is also an incredibly popular four-quadrant mainstream entertainment yeah. genre. has fallen down a little bit in the last decade or so, I think, especially in mainstream cinema. But, like, a nice different poles away from it. And uh, nothing I love better. Martin, how do you feel about romance? It's not really a genre I've watched a lot of. Um... I'm glad we're, n- we're rather doing romance than rom-com, definitely. We do have rom-coms. We have the, the odd one, but I would I much prefer this than a full season of rom-coms. Much prefer this. I'm, I'm going to be really interested. I, I would not have done this if we couldn't have rom-coms, to be clear. Okay. <laughs> um, but I th- I'm going to be really intrigued to see what you guys have to think compared to me, because you are, I think you two, especially you, George, are much more experienced in this genre compared to mm. me. So I might have some different takes. I might miss things. Mm. I'm really excited. And these are films that I probably would have never watched mm. were we not doing this. So I'm excited mm. to see some things that are a bit out of my comfort zone. And now anyone who's listened to this will see the episode title and know what we're doing. But Joe, before you tell them what film we're doing, how do you feel about the romance genre? Um, I, I don't know much. Um, 
some of the films on our schedule I have seen and I like, some I dislike. Can't wait to find out. Um, and some I've not seen at all, and I'm absolutely not interested in whatsoever. So I'm looking forward to watching them oh, and discussing good. them with you and, and finding out why they're on this uh, list. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I wanted you guys' input, and you were very much like, no, George, you have to do this, <laughs> yeah, which, I f- which, I felt, which I felt weird. But, you know, you'll, 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 have, your, you'll have your time to show, show me what's what on other No, series. no, no, I think you put together a really good list, and, and it seems, Thank you know, you. quite <laughs> variable, um, and there's lots of different things in there which engage with different bits of the romance genre because that's mm. a thing about it you know the romance is huge and if you want to know what that schedule is it'll be our pinned tweet on our twitter account at high low or no pod and our pinned post on our facebook page high low or no the podcast well, i think no. that's what it's called actually but i'll have to check and so joe yeah we started the last season with one of your favorite movies <coughs> yeah not a good movie we're starting this season no, with another one of your it's a va- brilliant movie we're, well we're starting this season with kind of a brilliant movie joe okay so yeah we started superheroes with joker which was my suggestion because i think it's a great film joker is blown out of the water for the pilot of this season which is uh 2017's phantom thread hell yeah God, never which, cursed. Never cursed. Never cursed. which i think is one of the best films ever um i'm gonna you know come out straight away okay full guns blazing and said i adored this film so much I adore it still. I watched it on a plane mm-hmm. on the way to the Caribbean. I watched it, which, I mean, any film that grips you from a plane, mm. you know, seat, one of those screens, which is tiny and crap, I think is amazing. And I watched it on the way there. I thought about it in the entire time I was where I was. And then I watched it on the way back. And I've now seen it four times. Y- four times. I've seen it four times. And I watched it a f- couple of days ago when we um, were planning to do this. And. I was thinking I would take sort of notes as the film was going on, and I did, but then I realised I watched about 10 minutes of the film, and it had taken about 40 minutes, because I kept pausing it to take notes, and I was like, no, 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 I'm just not going to enjoy this film if I keep doing this, I'm just going to blast through it, and it was just so sublime once again, I loved it. Yeah, I think I've seen this film four times too, Um, I saw it in the cinema, because we're we're recording in the UK, it came out in 2018 in the UK, as, as happens with a lot of Oscar movies in a way that makes me really annoyed. Um, but um, yeah, I saw it in 2018 at the Harbour Lights Picture House in Southampton. Loved it, but I wasn't, I didn't feel as personally connected to it. And then I watched it again, I think on Amazon. And I was like, okay, I think I've got the measure of this movie. And then Paul Thomas Anderson, the director, released Licorice Pizza this year, which I will say is my favorite of his movies. I like it more than Phantom Thread. I love that movie to pieces, but I watched all of his movies in preparation for it, including Phantom Thread again. And now, I, and I, then I felt like, oh, I've got a new taste for this. And uh, there's something developing in my understanding here. And then I watched it again last night. And uh, I was in a very similar position to you, Joe. I wasn't taking notes, but I re- it really did take me like about 40 minutes to get through the first 30 minutes because I did keep rewinding and going like, I can't believe how good this movie is. <laughs> <laughs> um, Martin, you've never seen it. Not till yesterday. Uh-huh. I watched it for the first time yesterday. And admittedly, this probably wouldn't have been a film that I would have ever watched. Like maybe I would have done like a PTA binge at some point because what I've seen of his, which is very little, I have thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I've seen them all. Joe, I know you love Magnolia and the Master and Phantom Thread. Have you seen any other Paul Thomas Anderson movies? What are they? Hard Eight, Boogie no, Nights, no. Magnolia, yeah. Punch Drunk Love. No. Uh, there will be blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how many is that? That's five. Uh, the master. Yeah. Inherent vice. No, but I just read the book. 
oh, I'm really jealous. I really want to read the book. I've very wanted good. to read it since very, I saw very, the film. Very, 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 very good. Uh, Phantom Thread, Licorice Pizza. I've not seen the pizza film. <laughs> Martin and I have seen Licorice Pizza. I enjoyed Licorice Pizza. Yeah, very good film. And the other one you've seen is? Inherent Vice. Great movie. Which is a fantastic film. I, I, I've seen that movie a lot. Yeah. It's really watchable. That, that that film is exactly my kind of film. Like Stoned out of its mind. <laughs> <laughs> Make me sound like a stoner now. But Martin, stop talking inside yeah. of Joe's apartment. George, stop shouting in front of inside <laughs> of Joe's apartment. Um, so, f- Phantom Thread. Um, something I really wanted to talk about when I was watching this film that is one of those films where you go back to it again and again and again and you see so much more, I think, which is one of the reasons mm. I like it so much. It's so... It, it, it is very clever, but not in a way that distracts, because the first time you watch it, I think it's amazing, but when you go back, you find more stuff. And something that this time really stuck out was the idea of genre, which is why I think it's a good idea to start with this film. Oh, great. Um, because what is the genre of this film? Yes, it's romance, but it's also, it, it, it's so bizarre. Like, how would you describe the, the genre, yeah, the, the mood, the feeling, the sense of this film to someone who's never seen it? I guess so. I mean, just before we, get, we dive into that, because I really love that take on that, like, you know, the sort of mutability of a genre on this movie. Martin, did you like the movie? Yes. <laughs> um, I, I think we forgot to, t- to get that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the theme of this whole podcast, isn't it? Is we just say so many things and just and just keep going. But um, I'm cutting that out. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Um, yeah, I did like it. I think I was lost a little bit at certain points. And I think that was just because it probably goes back to the point Joseph just made is we're going into a romance series. I'm expecting all this like this really nice imagery and like, you know, live happily ever after kind of thing. Not always, but yeah, that kind of thing. And this wasn't that. Mm. This wasn't that at all, which is by no means a bad thing. But I guess maybe I was caught a little bit off guard in what I was expecting and what I got. It's still clearly a very good film. I I really, I think you're right. Um, We haven't said where we stand on it in terms of our podcast title. Martin? Even if I maybe didn't fully get the scope of the film, mm. this is clearly high art. This is yeah. clearly high art. I think you're right. I, 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 I really think it's high art. I do think there are low art infusions in it, but more that like the degree of high art of this movie makes the little jolts where it sort of veers into something that's more maybe not even like super trashy, but just a little bit more common, really shocking. Yeah, I think, and if you break down into individual parts, like you look at, say, like the soundtrack, you look at the character development, you look at the performances, you look at the cinematography. When There wasn't even a cinematographer on this film, not an official one. It's, it's PTA. Yeah, it <laughs> is. And each bit, you're like, hang on, this is really good. It's like, so you good. can't pick it apart and just find something that's wrong with it mm. it is just a genuinely well-made well-written film yeah and it leaves so much like you're saying joe it's clever it's not showing off its cleverness it's not a puzzle to be like unboxed in that way where it's like trying to make trying to like impress you and i like those movies chris Nolan does them brilliantly but it is instead this sort of dreamy movie that asks you that asks uh sort of like presents information without necessarily signaling it or, f- or flagging it up and so that's what makes it so rewarding on rewatches, Joe. Mm. Where I could, yeah, no, I really like what you just said. You don't have to unpack it. You know, it's not asking for that. It's like a really good piece of literature or an amazing poem. Mm. Just in and of itself, it is a beautiful, astounding thing. 
But if you are then inclined to go and unpack it and explore mm. it and talk about it and dissect it, then it's just a sensational thing. And that's yeah. what I really like. And that is what, for me, I always think of when, when we talk about high art. And this is a high art for you? For me, this is the highest of arts, yes. I'm not surprised. <laughs> but I, I really... So what you, what's your take on the genre thing then? Now we've all like we've um, all established where we are. I think yes, it is it is romance, but it's coming at romance. I think of quite obviously from a different perspective. Um, it, it, it's the idea of obsession and mm-hmm. and an, an obsessive love, um, and 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 how you sort of navigate that. Um, but the reason I, I wanted to start with this is because you know wanted to start the the series and the episode the way that the film starts, which is engaging with this idea of genre because. Um, something that really stuck out this time was when, just as the um, the production company logos are going and fading, we have this really quite uncomfortable sound. You know, this mm. one continuous note, which I don't know what it is, but it's such a horrible screeching sound in a way. Um, which for me, it was just a sort of you know um, uh, saucepan to the face, sort of saying, "No, you, you think you're going to be watching a lovely, romantic, you know, mm. comfortable, gooey, gooey, lovely film? No." This is not what you're expecting. You're not going to in be comfortable. That you're not yeah. going to enjoy this it's in the way you expect. It's very eerie. It's, it's eerie. It's incredible. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. And and then the, the first thing, the first shot is not of Daniel Day Lewis's Reynolds Woodcock. It's Alma of Evicky Creeps. It is. It is. It is. Yes. Well, uh, let, let's slow down a tad because yeah. So it, it, it's eerie, and it's also I think the the key word that jumped to me was dread. You know mm. that sound uh, be much more at home in the opening of a th- of a of a thriller or a horror film even or you know like a chainsaw massacre type thing, mm. um, and then to find that at the beginning of what appears to be superficially like a, a, a romance mm. or you know um, a, a very cool drama at least is very odd I thought yeah. and and it sort of sets it up it's like and like I say you know it's it's PTA sort of saying. This is not going to be normal, you know. Um, and then, as you say, when the um, footage actually comes and we actually see a human being, it's the same thing. You know, we have, um, what's her name? Alma, oh. um, sitting in a lovely, comfortable upholstered chair in the lovely fire glow, and there's a crackling fire, you know, all these tropes of romance. Um, and the first line is something sensational, isn't it? Oh, I've, I've written it down. Um, I'm not going to do the accent, but Reynolds has made my dreams come true. You know, this so romantic, you know, almost like roll eyes of like such a cliche line to open a romance film with. But the way she delivers it, you know, mm-hmm. the, the actress Creeps. Is it, is Vicky it? Creeps. Vicky Creeps. The way she delivers it is just astounding because she does it so deadpan, almost like she's saying it to, to a judge or someone, you know. Not, it isn't romantic the way she delivers this very romantic line. And that is the same thing. And, and what it's does she like say in return? Like it's the thing before you meet him, what does she say? Which is like, and all he asks in return, one thing. And the doctor goes, "What's that? Every piece of me. Every piece of me. Yes, absolutely. And and and, and then the piano comes it's in. So romantic, but it, it's it's so unnerving. It's incredibly unnerving. For um, like you'd never seen it, you didn't know it's coming. Which yeah, is and it's every just piece like of me. And I think I was quite unsettled by that firelight as well. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that wasn't like a romantic glow. That yeah. was quite like a quite almost sinister. It's like this guy the only was dead. Light there. Yeah, and everything else is really dark. It almost felt as if she she had murdered him. Uh, 
which mm. I, I think that is the point. I, I genuinely think, think that's, that's the, the point. point. <laughs> and it's almost like it's the mystery. The mystery is who is she talking to and what has actually happened? And you don't really get that context. Absolutely. The rest of the film. How many romance films do you begin with such mystery? Yeah. Um, that is a very good word. Like, you know, we don't know who um, she's talking to. And I, I've made a note of it somewhere, but I think we only actually see him. I think it might be 40 minutes or something. I'm, I I'm think it's like a 40 minutes or an hour that they cut yeah. to see him yeah, in yeah, the opposite yeah. chair. Um, and which they do I mean it on like a completely innocuous moment. Yeah, we'll come, yeah. we'll come to that in a bit perhaps though. Um, but yeah, the way she delivers this line, um, also the way it's filmed. Martin, you mentioned there's no cinematographer, but the cinematography is astoundingly good um, and really considered, I think. Um, so when she's delivering this beautiful line in this really matter-of-fact way, as though she's... Um, you know, like she's talking to a judge as though she has murdered him or an inquiry or something. Um, the camera is way up in her face. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's a very odd angle. Um, you know, so it's almost like we're, we're peeking in, you know, at, at mm. this woman who's been caught off. I, I, it, it's just so... And this is literally like one line yeah. um, and, and five minutes. And it's just astounding. You're just like, I mean, like, you know, this is the plot of the movie, but like the first proper thing is... You see his morning routine. Yes. Mm-hmm. Also, um, <laughs> you see, I What's like this. Joe, just, just, just. Um, wh- what is the plot of this movie? Okay, the plot of the movie. It's 1950s London, so it's very. Um, it's sort of on the cusp of change, but it's still very quite. It's quite decadent. Hello, um, governor. Yep. Um, Don your socks, will you? Yes. Give me a suit. And DDL plays uh, Reynolds Woodcock, um, who is a is a a, a very hockature, um, very uh, fashion. Of the, he's a dress designer. of the House of Woodcock, yeah. Um, he's a fashion designer. He makes dresses for the rich and famous. Um, and then he is in very much in a routine. He's a, he's a bit of a maverick, but he's very um, he's, he's an artist. Um, but then he meets Alma, who sort of throws a massive spanner in, in, into his life and, and completely upsets it. And it's how does he respond to this woman who is first his muse and then, and then his love, um, who is just so at odds with his strict routine and, and his lifestyle. And this is the film, basically. Um, and, it, and, and, and it is marvellous. But yes, to go back to when we are introduced to Reynolds, played by Day-Lewis, obviously, um, something that really stuck out this time, again, is we first meet Woodcock through the other characters. We, we first know about him because Alma is talking about him, saying he is a demanding man, perhaps the most demanding man. Always the best way to introduce any character is have someone else explain them to you. It is very clever, isn't it? Because then... And then watch their behaviour. The camera then um, cuts to... We are introduced to Woodcock in his morning routine, which is just genius because of so many reasons. But the the, the, the contrast between this warm, crackling firelight, this comfy chair, and then him in very harsh light, harsh, harsh seating, going through his toilet, um, you know, doing his hair, plucking his nose. You know, he's so... D- he is so demanding in his personal mm. grooming, which completely affirms what Alma has just said. Yeah. So we instinctively therefore trust Alma. Mm. Um, and, 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 and we like her, we trust her as a character, and, and which it's is also that important. Like, you don't see morning routines very often in movies at no. all. Like, like it's, it's not a remarkable thing, so why would you show it? By showing it, you're like, this is a very inc- important detail. Like, have you it seen, is. Do you, like, you're, you're not just watching him comb his hair and brush it and t- no, t- like, pluck his nose heads for the first time. This is a, He does this every, all the time. And this is it. It's important that you have to know this. Like, yes. I was just astounded watching the way he like tucks his shirt in and pulls his trousers up. Mm. The way like his whole body is this weird, rigid thing. He can't even do that in an in an unfussy way. Yes, you're right. Like, he's, he's like, like he is a mannequin. The shirt. It's yeah. so he's he's incredible in this. It movie. is incredible. It is. Um, and I think um that we because she introduces him saying, "Oh, he's so demanding," and like, but these people are talking about this guy. So it's like. 
in the viewer's mind is built up like, oh my god, no, my, oh my goodness, Woodcock, it must be amazing. And then we meet him when he's doing his morning toilet routine, um, which is such an intimate, personal um, space and time um, in, in, in everybody's everyday life, which, so like you say, you know, there's a reason that this is done. It, it, the juxtaposition is striking, but it does build up the character and set it running um, for the rest of the film in the most genius way. Yeah, it's... With no dialogue as well, sorry. It's, it, it's, it's so good. You know, there's not one, he doesn't say a line in this entire yeah. thing. It's genius. He just like says hello, good morning to the women who are coming into work. He does, yes. It's also such a good upstairs, downstairs movie in oh that yeah, way. Yeah. With just, you know, like well the house are, is enormous. Um, They're going up and down. You have the, you know, the, the old ladies who are doing, you know, the dressmaking at all turns. And then they're, they're you know, like... But it's also interesting that Reynolds, it seems, Reynolds' bedrooms has been like kind of a middle, but like the main sewing things are at the very top in the attic, like they're hidden away and they enter through the, through the basement. Indeed, the yeah. I mean, front. so the, the, the set design is ingenious and we can probably come to back. back I think it's a real later, location. Thinking about, um, it is, but how it's shot, mm. uh, we'll, we'll come to that later. But um, we are sort of um, ambling into into character yeah. a bit. Um, so we've speak, spoke spec about Introducing Woodcock, which is I think is genius. Sp- we spoke about Alma, um, and then of course the, the 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 massive, serene, beautiful elephant in the room is Cyril, Leslie played Manville. by Leslie Manville, who I think may well be my favourite character mm. of 2018 or one of the film was. So yeah, um, uh, yeah. What's your take on Cyril Martin? I quite liked her. She was so deadpan, and I'm not convinced she smiled once in the film. And I quite like that because what she did it was not serious. Yeah, <laughs> it was almost like because they were brother and sister, weren't they? Yeah. But she was practically his mother. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing with this guy. Yeah. He, he needs looking after. <laughs> like he can't look after himself. So it was a really interesting dynamic of like how her and Alma clashed as well, mm. and I really enjoyed their interactions because it's almost like. Sylvie respected her. That's what she says. She's like, yeah. you know, like Reynolds but after they married. It's even like, even when she said that, I wasn't convinced. But there was there was also a bit where it's a bit like you like that you yeah. that um Alma's messing with everything. Yeah, you kind of like the destruction a little bit, and you kind of want to see him fall apart for his own good. Almost, I really like I, that. I think yeah. I watching it last night, I was like, oh. She's playing her like a predator, mm-hmm. like like not like a predator of like a, you know a gross like fawning way. She's playing her like a tiger. <laughs> when they when she meets uh, Alma for the first time in the cottage, and she walks in, she's like, "Who's this lovely thing making the house smell all nice?" And she just, without like sniffing deeply, it's an incredible performance where she seems to be psychic about smells. Mm-hmm. She just goes like sandalwood and rose water, bit of lemon. Oh yes, we we had salmon, oh. and, and, and she's just already there. And I was like, "Oh shit, it's a trap." Alma, run, <laughs> because Cyril is like, "Ah, at last, Reynolds, you brought me a present. Mm-hmm. I get to like fuck with your romantic interests." Just and not even by not even like in in a mean way. It's just like, no, no, no. I I know what needs to happen next. You're going to be measured, and we're going to take your measurements, and I'm here for that. Like that's that's what I do. That's my bit. I manage the house and manage you. Like it's it's one of the best things in the movie is that again, introducing the character by other people. Who's the woman that Reynolds like kicks to the curb at breakfast at the beginning because she offers him like a bun. <laughs> and, and it's like I told you no most dodgy things. Um, did you? Oh, 
I don't remember that. Perhaps you told someone else. Yeah. And it was like, that's um, all. That's everything about him. He just can't, He cannot manage his own life. As much as he, as everything must be managed, he's just a fucking asshole. Which I'm, is, I'm glad you said it, because I went through this whole film hating him. He's, which oh. is in part due to the incredible performance. Yeah. He's but he's the guy's a fucking awful, yeah. And and my mum and dad, this is one of the classic movies. Where they're like, oh, is that coming out? Maybe we'll watch that. Never watch it. And then like I got it, and I got it on Blu-ray, and, and they like would take it away to cottages and be like, oh, but they didn't have a Blu-ray player. <laughs> and so they took it away like a couple weeks ago. They had a Blu-ray player. We watched Phantom Thread, and I went, and what did you think? And they're like, yeah, I kept I just kept waiting for her to leave him. Like, what did yeah. she see in him? And my Absolutely. dad was like. I didn't think it was about anything. Like, it was all very well done, but I just couldn't... I felt like more style over substance, which is often one of his favourite criticisms of things, but not of Deadpool, which he thinks is good. Uh, to stick with Cyril and character, mm. um, one of the words that really leaps at you, I think, is is the idea of dominance and power. Yeah. Um, and, and who is in charge? Who in that house um, has is in control? Mm-hmm. And I think it is very much Cyril to begin with. Um, but then Alma comes in like a wrecking ball um, and upsets Cyril's world as much as sh- she does Woodcock. And I think a lot, one of the many, many, I think, subplots in the film, um, which like so sub, it's not really in the film, um, is Cyril and Alma sort of tussling um, for power, you know, and who is in charge of Woodcock, both the man mm. and the fashion label. And you said, or Martin, you said it's like a, a tiger or, or like a big cat. And it is, you know... Um, when 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 they sort of circle each other, sizing mm. each other up, this is what is going on for most of the film, I think. And I think uh, towards the end, they they build an equilibrium, and and, no and they can live e- with each other happily. Um, I, think I think so. We see um, Day Lewis's ca- uh, Woodcock. We see him in the most intimate place. You know, keep saying you know when he's getting dressed and everything. Um, we see him moving. You know, sort of gliding around the room in his bedroom, not really involved in it. Then we see him meeting the the ladies, and he knows them by name. And that, that's him. Mm-hmm. And then in contrast, we only see Cyril once she's done her routine um, and she's all dressed and proper and mm-hmm. primed and she's be- she's going about the house getting it ready for the day of work and she's very physical. You know, mm-hmm. she, she's opening windows, um, she's turning on lights, she's making a, a physical impact in her environment and she's so locked into her physical space and the people with whom she shares it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she... she equally greets the ladies but she calls she doesn't know them by name or she doesn't call them by name mm. she just says morning ladies there's that distance um, there. there's a distance and you just know that from uh, it's probably 50 seconds worth of screen time if that but you just know that this is a woman in control of every single room she walks into and everyone in it oh yeah but you're also they're cross-cutting her like opening windows and slat and putting things and turning the light on on that big mirror and and and, j- and you're sensing okay she's preparing this for reynolds to come down and also for the people who are going to visit, like the thing I, I, I kind of just always think is so clever is um, when the countess comes to the door, she has to walk to the door and then close the basement entryway because the door is sort of popping open. She's like, no, it must be closed. They mm. come into the door and they don't come in through the shop front. They come like through the doorway, through the entrance. They're inviting them into your home. You're going to be comfortable as a customer. They're going to treat you like family, but we must also maintain that distance. And it's uh, it is she has like you say she has that control of her environment in a way yes and it's most of the film is is you know her I think kind of s- deciding do I have to control this environment for Reynolds because I like the control I'm granted 
this is a movie about like how people just like are, are, are fundamentally incapable of change no matter how much they want or say to like when Alma and Reynolds meet they literally it's literally like a love at first sight thing she glances at him looks at him looks back trips and has to look back at him and it's like yeah okay she's fucked now she's in love with him and you see the way he's lit he's like very plain lighting uh, and then the second like he's acknowledging oh shit i've seen this person you're cutting to a different angle where he is lit so brightly by the window by the sun outside and um you're not seeing that side of his face it's it's sort of like you're getting like the the highlight around his nose and everything it's like he's trying to go shit the sun is shining on me i have found love how can i repress this and, <laughs> and swallow it and like bottle it all up and just behave like i normally do as a confirmed bachelor and so begins the routine he's prepared to take her on. And she's like, well, this routine is very, very romantic. And as soon as the routine starts being romantic, she's like, hang on a minute. <laughs> what happened to the romance? Mm. Why am I not allowed to be myself <laughs> around I, you? I hated that bit of, oh, I'm destined to be a bachelor for life kind mm. of thing. It was a bachelor. <laughs> so pretentious. Yes. And, and do you know what it felt to me? It was almost like the whole idea of dressmaking was to be around women because you didn't want to commit. So you stumbled <laughs> upon this career that you turned out to be quite good at mm. just for an excuse. <laughs> and now look where you are. It's worked out quite well for you. you. You know, like it sounds like that's such a trashy idea of like this, like the worst misogynistic yeah. man behavior. And, and they're playing off so like smoothly and lovely in this yeah. high art elegance of it. And like, you know, when, when the countess comes to get her dress for something, they're so physically close to each other. And you're like, did they fuck? They fucked, right? That's what happened. And then my favorite thing, one of my, oh, another one of my favorite things, the countess goes and you see her in a dress and it looks terrible. It looks so bad compared to what everyone else is wearing, which would be sort of, you know, detailed, but very elegant silver dress. And she's wearing this like obsessively uh, composed, like theatrical purple dress. And they repeat the shape of that dress in a dress Alma wears later, but the colors are mixed. And on Alma, it looks incredible because Alma looks like a queen. And the countess, who actually is aristocracy, looks, it just doesn't fit. It, like the whole vibe of that dress in that scene is off. And you're like, is Reynolds good at his job? Like, is he in fashion? He then gets mad about the word chic later on. Is he yeah. fashionable? But you're right, uh, you know, it's so bizarre. He's like, I have all these women coming through in and out of yeah. my house. And uh, that's all they leave. Yeah. I, get, I get them to leave without asking them. Because that's the thing. He can't ask Alma to leave. He can't ask anyone to leave. Cyril has to do it. Yeah. Which is like, you know, Joe was saying, that's, that's, that's the equilibrium. Cyril is like, I've decided I'm not going to ask Alma to leave. I'm bored of doing this for you. I thought it was fun. And it was. And now I want you to do it. So and he doesn't know how. Bizarrely, this is an odd thing that jumps jumped in my mind. It just um, made me think of the Matrix, you know, the Oracle character, um, uh. where she sort of upsets the the status quo, doesn't she, to unbalance or whatever? Yeah, she by says. making Neo and Trinity um, fall in love. Absolutely, exactly. It's almost um, Cyril is. She has the same function, you know, to put it into in a way, IT yeah. lingo. You know, she decides to upset the balance almost. By she's more the architect, I would say. If, if you're running the Matrix, well, she's, well let's not I run too far with this um, very odd. Uh, Martin's never comparison. seen the Matrix sequels. No, I've only no. seen the first Matrix. Oh, wow. Seven out of ten, according and, to Martin. And um, even that was kind of ruined, wasn't it? Well, it was just the sound mixing on that <laughs> was so bad. And the fucking oh, red yeah. dress was orange. The red yeah, dress was orange. Yeah, was just, yeah. just, just um, Joe, I will cut this out. Did you see Resurrections? What's that? The Matrix. Oh no! <sighs> Woo, baby! Is it good or bad? Great! Oh, thank God. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, um, back to Fun and Fred. 
also, again, cinematography is involved in making these power relationships and then vo- they're vo- generating character. So again, you've already mentioned it, but upstairs, downstairs, we see um, Cyril, she's descending, you know, so um, when she's crossing paths with the, the workers, the ladies who are going upstairs to the rooms, um, you know, so it's she's physically above them, you mm. know, um, in, in the camera, on, on screen, which I just think is a very clever way mm. of very quickly and easily establishing superiority. Um and then when, I mean, it happens several times, but I think the best time is um, when Reynolds and Cyril have that confrontation um, at the breakfast table. And she's, uh, you know, she, um, he's like, oh, shut up. And she says, oh, don't pick a fight with me. I'll go right through you and you'll end up on the floor, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is just beautiful. But the power in that, you know, uh, thinking about like... Um, been watching a lot of Attenborough lately, so this is probably what's on my mind. But you know, again, thinking about like um, two lionesses mm. having a massive scrape or pumas, mm. um, it's very much it is Cyril who is the one who um, holds her yeah. ground, and, and Woodcock is sent slinking away. But we we're shown this, I think, primarily through cinematography and and the the layout of the scene. The camera, mm. for instance, looks directly at Cyril. Um, and she holds her composure. She almost doesn't even blink. She's upright. She's drinking tea, normal tea, out of like a, a silv- silverware. Whereas um, Woodcock, you know, he's slouched. Um, the camera is side on. He never looks directly at, or we never look directly at him. He's drinking, you know, some weird thing. Um, everything about these scenes is is cultivated mm. in a way to create the characters inside them, I think. Yeah. And I also think like what's fun is 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 seeing when uh, when and how Almas like sort of succeeds to gain ground is like obviously the whole meeting of them is 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 her gaining ground because she's being invited into the world. But um it is on his terms and a lot of the early stuff like um they go out to dinner, those girls show up and are like, Mr Reynolds, I love you. Ah, I mm. want your dress. Mm. And then she goes, you want something to drink? You done eating? And he just like, like speeds back to the house and for the first time invites her into his bedroom. And you don't see it. Not enough, you know, not enough sex in this movie. Uh, can't use the word, but it's it's that like sort of like pressure build up where she just immediately like twigs like, you're not hungry anymore, because he says to her when he brings her back to London, like you look beautiful. You're making me very hungry, and you're like. Oh, that breakfast order he ordered, where he's like, "I want Welsh rabbit yes. scones." Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't need those. Um, yeah, that is a running thing, and yeah, I think she leans over and says something like, "Um, you look thirsty or something." He does. And, then they zoom off and that's very um, uh, that's a great bit Nasty because boy. that is very quite romantic and it's quite sexy. It's also very, it's very childish. It's so sexy. Um, it's but it I is sexy. But is I think I think it's it, it's not sexy because it's childish. Because I think Woodcock is basically just a silly little boy, spoiled boy who can oh, yeah, get what is. he wants. And again, the way it's filmed, you know, him zooming through the car, like you know, it's almost like I don't know. A, a, a What's the, what's the law? A sixteen-year-old, you know, he's like, um, "Oh, I'm gonna lose my virginity." Yeah, yeah, let's <laughs> let's get back to bed quick. Yeah, yeah, oh, screw her. Um, it's it's just I, I don't know. It, it's just so jarring with the um, the the pretentious, mm. you know. Um, I'm a confirmed bachelor. You know, are, are you a silver lady or a gold lady? You know, which is just pretense, and it's the game that yeah. Alma talks about. This is a game, yeah. um, oh. and then it breaks because you know he's um, I, I aroused. I just. You like mentioned the Alma, Alma line about this being a game. That scene where she has cooked him dinner mm. he, and he comes down in his fucking pajamas is so rude. <laughs> it's, it's so mean. It's astoundingly good. Yeah, it, it, it's absolutely atrocious, isn't it? And 
it's bizarre because I I feel very much you know I'm on Cyril's side throughout this film you know <laughs> I, I think because she is always right you know I I, I think usually um, you know and so she when she says you know, I, I strongly advise against this yeah, it's like yeah don't do it Alma come on listen to the nice lady and then yeah she goes through with it and and you just uh, come on bitch you should have known better but of course you know well, Woodcock is know horrible better. she's a princess in a fairy tale and in fairy tales mm. you do bad things and bad things happen to you it's true but what's great about it is like because you didn't take the advice of the nice friendly lady um i was watching um no i, I had cooked a joke um asparagus the other evening and i was thinking you know I think you know, Alma, I like my asparagus with olive oil, but you have chosen to serve this with butter or something. And, so and knowing this, oh yes, you have <laughs> chosen to serve this I with butter. I can only think this must be blah, blah, blah. But yeah, everything What are you, a secret this. agent sent here to ruin my dinner and possibly my life? Etc. yes. That um, bit was childish. So nah, childish, childish. Yes. Just repeating. Where's your gun? Where's oh your my gun? God. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I was getting frustrated to watch that myself. <laughs> <laughs> And he's still got the pajamas on. Yes, <laughs> and you know that he's been out for a lovely long bath up there or whatever, and everything mm. cold and ruined. But she's still trying to make the effort because she's been. I mean, she can make a little bit more effort. It's just four asparaguses on a plate. I mean, <laughs> first course and for the effort he puts in. Oh, well, yes. I think that was fair. <laughs> well, it's also like she literally does confront him. He comes back and he's like, "Look into the side door. Is no one here?" And, and he's like, "Oh, it's you." And she just goes, "Reynolds, I love you," because she's already yes. told him, "I love you," and he hasn't said it back. In the oh, another one of the great scenes, Barbara Rose, who you know the, the American lady who wants oh. to move a dress. A great <laughs> performance by Harriet Sansom Harris, who is who she's in Licorice Pizza as the agent that Alana goes to see. Oh, okay, yeah, so good in that movie. But like, <laughs> they take they rip the dress off her, and that's the thing is like he wouldn't have done that on his own. No, and only and even though he's the one leading the charge to go and get the dress, Alma gives him the permission to do that oh, by being yes. so upset by it, and that's why he kisses her. But it's that's the key phrases, isn't it? Of um, you know, she's moody and he doesn't like this because it's not seemly. But you know, she says. Um, there's, there's several, it's like layers. Mm. Um, uh, she doesn't deserve it. Mm. It's your work. Um, something like take it off yeah. or something. And then he boom goes and does it. But again, because like you yeah. say, he can't do anything. He can't make a decision on his own. He needs yeah. these ladies to tell give him what permission. to do, like a little boy. Um, he needs mummy to give him permission to yeah. do something. And then once he does, he mm. goes boom, boom, See, boom. See, I was thinking of it more as like Alma has to get his love on his terms by like playing to his wishes. But you are right that it is part of the dynamic of it that he needs that permission. Mm. He, 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 he otherwise, he'll just, he'll, he'll mm. just be inside of his, in his thing. And that's the thing I find kind of tragic about that. Alma loves him and loves the dress. And, you know, Alma wouldn't be so cruel as to go to this poor, drunken, rich lady who's just, like, clearly a mess. Like, I love her dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's clearly drunk, but... <laughs> it's, yeah, Alma wouldn't do that if she wasn't involved with... Um, Alma's sweet. She wouldn't do that if she wasn't involved with Reynolds Woodcock. But she has this, like, you know... This real steely core, and it's it's mean, but they but it's romantic as well. It's a really twisted thing to do. Romance is often mean. Um, no, right. yeah, I mean, well, she's in love with Woodcock, isn't mm. she? So therefore, she does feel that way about the mm. dress and the work because she's in that world now. Um, yeah, but f for her to get so emotional about his work is for Woodcock just the biggest aphrodisiac in the world, <laughs> isn't it? And yes. that is, and then that is the. I think that's the most romantic scene is when mm. they're walking along. No words need to be spoken. They're arm in arm. They're smiling. And then he just swings around and kisses her. It's very, this very is special. beautiful. Yeah. Then, of course, she says, I love you. And he doesn't say anything. It's just... Yeah. 
dickhead. He is a dick. But that's why, oh God. So my favourite shot in this movie, well, the one that sticks in my head the most, it besides the New Year's Eve party with all the balloons, which I think is just a beautiful bit of blocking. He's on the balcony. Mm. He's in shadow, but all the balloons are light. And he's like, he's, he's never going to be happy. Is when she puts the mushrooms in the tea. So, of course, this is what the movie's building to is yeah. him, her poisoning Reynolds. They've established when he has a bad day or a bad fashion show or he just burns himself out, I get to take care of him. And it's lovely. But he's not doing that yet. So I'm going to poison him. And it's like, this is after the dinner. She's clearly, I think, I don't think she wants to like nurse him back to health. I think she wants revenge. I think so. I, I didn't, I, I understand the point of like, oh, she wants to get into that point where he's lovely again. Mm. But I think it was spiteful. I, I don't. There was never the intent to kill. No, but it was spiteful. And I hundred percent like he rejected her asparagus, poisoned the <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> but she like you see her do all the grating and, and, and in the little more and pestle and scoop up, and then from below the teapot, like it's a witch's cauldron, she just pops this little thimble in. That's my possibly my favorite shot in the movie. Just like I just like who put the camera under the teapot? That's insane, and it <laughs> is like this weird cauldron thing. Mm. And then, uh, you know, she is so lovely about it. But then, you know, he's just a, you know, that's the, that's the time when you feel the most sympathy for him, I think, and the most care yeah. is just like, he's he's pathetic. He just misses his mother. You know, but yeah, I mean, it's, it is deeply tragic, but it is special that that's like her way of getting back at him. But you said, and you said, Joe, Martin and Joe both said like, the fireplace is like a, ju- a judge. It's like a confrontation. Mm. When I last watched this before Licorice Pizza came out, my, my, my thought is like, oh, she's killed him. And that's why the doctor's asking her these questions. Because he's like, this motherfucker eat too, ate too many mushrooms. He's going to die. And so, you know, how did this happen? And she launches into the story of the romance. And it's like, yeah, I know I killed him. Oops. Mm. And, and I, I, I really do think like, you know, I don't think as much now, but that was my biggest like sort of development of watching it. Like you say, the more you come back to it, Joe, the... The, the more layers you sort of think of, the more developing understanding you had. That was my newest understanding was, mm-hmm. well, at the end of a movie, Reynolds is dead and everything is a fantasy in Alma's head, which is a lame interpretation. I hate the they're really dead at the end interpretation, but it's special here because the protagonist is no longer Reynolds, it's Alma, and it's her admitting, yeah, I totally killed him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> also, um, going back to the idea of like dread and um, what the F is this genre, um, when she's talking to the doctor slash priest, about um, when he's like this, he's 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 a lovely little boy. I look after he's him. He's like blah, a blah, baby. Blah. He's like a baby. Yeah. Um, his response is, and I think this is when the camera finally turns and we finally see him. His first response is, um, "How long do these episodes last?" Yeah. And the word "episode," because she's very romantic and like conventional mm. romance genre tropes, but then the word episodes and, and the way he delivers it because obviously we realize later he's a doctor um it's just a boom 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 what's this what's going on this is very unusual yeah. um and again this is not romance it, it's like what is this so it's more suspense it's the layering of suspense the movie mm. the dread the sort of weird build to a hitchcockian end of like yeah it's like the chekhov's gun it's the mushrooms in the kitchen the books right. in the kitchen it's like that's we're, pu- we're taking it off the shelf putting it uh, putting it in the pan and you're gonna eat this omelet and we're bringing it back yeah. and you're gonna die yeah you know what, the bit that really confused me mm-hmm and I sort of get it, but sort of don't. Is if we got the second poisoning, mm-hmm. where obviously she she admits it and says a motive, and then he's all for it, and it's just this is a guy that is quite old, has been in his ways mm. for a long time, and all of a sudden that's just broken down, and now he he's happy that he's been poisoned, 
uh, but he knows what he's eating. Like the, the you know, it's all silent. Yeah, and Joe would love to it. It's completely silent. They're just she cooks it. He looks. And he knows what he's eating. Yeah, but because he, he's because he's like a child, he thinks she's a spy sent to ruin his evening and possibly his life. And he's like, "What have you put in this?" And he keeps eating it out of like spite. And I think um, he's he's testing her. He mm. wants her to tell him not to eat it because if she says, "No, don't you! I poisoned you," he will have won. But like you said, Joe, he can't do anything without the permission. <laughs> yeah, and no. And then when she's curious, like, what, what, what she wants, he's like. Well, great. I, this is what I want. Because he does like that she takes care of him. Mm. It's just that as soon as he wakes up from, you know, and he's well again the first time, um, he proposes to her. They get married. They go on a honeymoon. And yeah, he's immediately normal, yeah. he's immediately turned off by the way she eats. Which is my, fa- this is my, fa- my other favorite thing about the movie is, and it's the thing PTA does in, in so many of his movies, especially in like Magnolia, but his sound design is always incredible. The way he mixes sounds and the way he like uses Foley work and, you know, you're like, I've never thought of someone buttering toast being mm. this fucking annoying. Mm. And then the next time you see her buttering toast, it's completely silent. And you're like, she's learned a lesson. Mm. Yeah, you know what? About the sound design, <laughs> I really didn't enjoy it at first. It's like anti-ASMR. It's, it's so loud and clunky and in your face. But then when that scene hits, it's like, oh, we're hearing what he's hearing. Yeah. We're getting his perspective on mm. this, that every little sound is a distraction. It takes you away because it literally... Like the, just putting a teacup down is the loudest thing, and it takes you out of it really. And it but is funny. Yeah, it's it's and one of the great like they do they make jokes by making noise. Yeah, and I I was watching it obviously being from an audio background, thinking this doesn't sound right. This isn't mixed right. It's too it's too loud. It's too loud. It just it's it doesn't feel natural. It's like now it makes sense, yeah. and it's a really cool thing that comes back around, and just a really clever bit of writing again. Yeah. It's uh, the way she like you know she seems to bite the spoon. <laughs> You're just like, look, look, Alma, I'm on your side. Could you not do that? <laughs> but that's also like the clever thing about it, about it being like this romance. It is very intimate in like, sort of like unpicking like, yeah, sometimes being in love with people is, is a nightmare because you know all of their worst faults, but you are damned to just, you're just in love with them. And like knowing all their worst habits isn't going to help you. You're just kind of screwed. And like I, I know what that's like. I f- I'm sure, I'm sure you both know what it's like. But like that feeling of like, oh no, I'm caught. And the way you're like, I don't know how I'm supposed to get out of this. And, and in Reynolds' case, it's more like I'm a coward. But I think it gets at the sort of the, the weird thing, especially with Alma. It's just like, you suck. And there are, but there were p- times when this was special. And I, I am unfortunately doomed to just be butting heads with you in romantic and in very aggressive ways for the rest of time. <laughs> it was like that that bit with him and um, Sylvie as well, where he's just like, I've had enough of her. Like, Cyril. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's just like, I, ca- I can't do this anymore. She needs to leave the house. She's ruined this house. And then she just stands she in comes the door. In. Yeah. And that was the one bit of sound design that was really quiet. It was the door opening. He didn't hear that bit, probably because he was too caught up in, his, in himself. But after they've had that conversation and it's not um, Alma going mad, mm. they're really calm and his instant reaction is to blame them. Like, oh, look at you, like the model of politeness. Mm. Again, which is so childish. It's like, this is on you. Well, it's, it's this is on you. And, j- yeah. and you just refusing 
to take any responsibility or accept that. You're just sat there saying this needs to happen. They yeah. They put you so deep into like the sort of the swooniness and the beautiful like drape, the beautiful dress and everything, and how it looks, mm. how it sounds. Even though the sound design is aggressive, and that is one of the things kind of like jerking you out of the fantasy world of it. But the thing that always makes me kind of like go like I wasn't expecting that is every time they swear. And it gets mm-hmm. more towards yeah. the end. Mm. But when he tells the doctor to just fuck off, and that's like the second F-bomb they've dropped, and by the end of the movie, he seems to have dropped 10. And, you know, like, Alma comes in, and you're expecting him to be ashamed or her to be angry, and he instead just goes, no one gives a tinker's fucking curse about her satisfaction. And you're like, dude, you're not allowed... You're in a Jane Austen movie. You're not allowed to swear, because you're so involved in that language. It is suddenly just like he, he went up to Alma and was like, all right, love getting to that. It just breaks yeah. the it completely breaks the dialect of the movie in such an exciting way. And it is the weird, you know, it's the weird low art threading through the high art, how it's just kind of like, boop, butts against you mm. in the audience. I thought a really um, fun bit as well was where we say about the doctor, he told him to fuck off. And when they meet later, <laughs> he's like, I think last time we met, I told you to fuck off. <laughs> he's, he's still he, mad at him. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you think he's telling the joke, like, oh yeah, sorry about that. I was, I obviously wasn't myself, but it's like, no, you're telling him to fuck <laughs> off again. Like, yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and then he goes to the godmother and goes like, I've met your shifty-eyed godson. What a what a charming piece of work. And and then <laughs> the godmother and him spend the whole evening and she's like, well, your wife sucks. And he's like, well, your godson sucks. Like, <laughs> Meanwhile, Alma and the godson are just having a nice time. They should get together. That's Brendan Gleeson's I, son. Is it? Yeah, no Brendan Gleeson. I think that was also implied a little bit, like always. Implied that he's Brendan Gleeson's son. <laughs> yeah, that's, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that is thoroughly implied. Um, but no, the where him and Alma are talking, it's like it's almost like because th- at this point you did know she was talking to him at the fireplace, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's almost like is this where this is going? Is Alma going to cheat on him or what? And obviously, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. And that adds a bit to the mystery as well, I think. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it's so, once you've seen it once, you're kind of like, oh, no, 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 they're not going to get together. It's too, it's too obvious. Mm-hmm. But you are kind of thinking like, isn't Reynolds like anxious about her, like, I don't know, flirting with him? But uh, like, you're like, dude, you're not backing her up in this environment mm-hmm. at all. You've dressed her the part, but you're not backing her yeah. up at all. And, y- and you just deserve to die. <laughs> I love Daniel Day-Lewis in this movie. I love the first half hour where I'm so in love with the fantasy and so in love with like feeling and having a blast and kind of enjoying Reynolds because I get why he's, because he's so hot, he's so handsome, he's so polite and well-dressed, except for that breakup scene at breakfast. At that when he meets him, I'm like, yeah, I would totally fall in love with him. It's 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 that feeling of like he's paying attention to me and he's not being extravagant and he's not being like like me, loud and gesticulating. He's just very focused. And then he's you know, and 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 that's what's so special about the, the sort of like the tailoring scene with the measurements is that it's private and special until Cyril walks in and it's a trap. When I first watched that on the plane, that re- that when she just appears up those steps, it was just like. <gasps> oh my gosh what's going on here mm. um you know wh- and, and it, it, it's, it's like a, a stone in a pond it just disrupts everything and like shutters all the dynamics that you've sort of tried to build in your own mind um and then you've mentioned the um the scent thing um with cyril coming right up to her and then just sitting there in the half shadows with cross-legged and a pad and a pen and glasses it's just so good and think about like power like we were talking about earlier mm. um it's just establishing dominance in the quickest most cool subtle sexy way possible 
I think it's genius. I love that. I think that might be my favourite scene mm. in the film. I don't know. The New Year's Eve thing is just so beautiful. Yeah, I did thoroughly enjoy that scene. And even the bit where he's going through his crowd and he like, gets bumped on the head and there's just so much going on and then he just parts the crowd and there's Alma. Mm. And I thought that was great. It's such a simple thing, but it's just it was just quite a really powerful kind of things just part the crowd and just in all this massive mm. ruckus and everything that's going on there's just still nothing but her if that makes sense it's beautiful isn't it i love it and i think um w- to continue that scene when he sort of grabs her by the hand you uh, you think that he's sort of dragging her home don't you whereas right at the end of the film we have the flashback and then we realize oh no he's just dragging her onto the dance floor perhaps or something which is just so beautiful mm-hmm. and then it just it really makes the film um a romance, I guess. Um, it's beautiful. I love the end. And I think with that bit as well is you've gone through such this journey with um, Reynolds as well. So you really don't mm. know what he's going to do. Yeah, like, yes, that's like, true. like I think the optimist in you is saying, yeah, he's going to drag her on the dance floor and actually yeah. going to do something <laughs> nice for once. But then I think the realist is saying, he's just taking her home and yeah. they're just going to go to bed and that's it. Yes, you're so, so true. Like, yeah, we do go on a journey, don't we, with Reynolds? Because early Reynolds, before Alma, he would have never gone on to that dance floor. And like no. you say, when he when he gets hit on the head with whatever it is, um, he's so out of his comfort zone. You know, it's so um, separated from, you know, sitting in a nice um, house with a countess talking about her wedding dress. You know, he's... he's princess. In a w- She's a princess of Belgium. Beg your pardon. Um, he's in the rough and tumble, you know, of a, of a, of a sort of club, you know, speakeasy type thing. Um, and so he has changed for Alma, which is, um, you know, m- maybe he doesn't even realise that at the time. As yes. he though, I don't so think good. he takes to the dance floor at all. I think that whole sequence at the end is a fantasy. Fine. She says, sometimes I skip ahead. And I'm like, he did not have a son with her. That's a terrible relationship. Yeah, that bit, I oh. thought that that wasn't true. Yeah, and and also like, it's one of the things you ba- you barely, during that whole fantasy sequence, you barely ever get a close up of Daniel's face, mm-hmm. of Reynolds' face. You get some like, sort of like mid shots of Alma, and it is her fantasy, like her doing the work in the house, but you don't get a lot of him. And it makes me feel like he's not there and it's it is it is a distance. Mm. And and the the thing in the in the, the hall, the Devonshire Club that they've gone to for the New Year's party and he's picked her up at, I do think like he drags her out, she tries to resist, and then she follows him anyway. But that shot at the end is they're just sort of swaying in the center. You're not hearing the music the band's playing. It's Johnny Greenwood's score. And then everyone sort of comes in spinning weirdly and coming. Like it's like the fucking shining. I'm like, this is just. It <laughs> is like, it's like um, a, a perversion almost. If, if you take your approach to it, that, that maybe this didn't happen. It's, it's therefore a perversion of Fisher King. Remember King. that scene? Uh, I have not seen the Fisher King. The Fucking hell! Film. I know it's, it's like got one of yeah. the best scenes in cinema history, uh, which well, won't go into it because you'll watch it. Um, <laughs> this oh, well, yeah. it is basically that, but with a maybe a pessimistic spin mm. on it. I do like the idea that this is Alma's account. Mm. You know, it's almost her confession. Mm. Um, so maybe we don't trust her mm-hmm. as much, um, or, or we don't know what is real, what isn't. Maybe if the if the baby thing is just a fantasy, and you know, sh- like you say, she even does say sometimes I skip ahead in my mind or whatever. Maybe that's a fantasy. Maybe the party was a fantasy. Maybe so much of it was made up. Um, which brings me to a point I did want to mention before we finish it is the um, timing in this film, um, and like the sequencing of events. I think is really interesting because. It just feels unlike a lot of films. In that you don't really have plot in like a linear narrative. Mm-hmm. You just have uh, episodes 
that seem to happen. You know, so we have them at breakfast, and then ends, and then we have them working on dress, that ends. Then we have them in the countryside, that ends. Then we have them out. And when I was watching it for the four fourth time, I thought maybe these aren't actually in order. Um, you know, these are just almost events that she's remembering and and, mm. and, and, and confessing and talking about. It's not a narrative necessarily, mm. um, which I thought I just thought was so interesting. I think it's for sp- I think it's partly just the sensation of the film is 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 it feeling feeling different. Um, it's something that PTA also does in Licorice Pizza. I think it's something he d- he's kind of gotten used to doing. I sp- it's, it's in the Master as well and the Ruby Blood. Where she's like, what if instead of like very specific plotting, I just wrote the scenes I wanted to see these characters mm-hmm. in and just kind of put them together. And they do make sense. And I think that there is a very natural build to the relationship over Phantom Thread. But, you know, it, it's not like X follows Y follows Z, except for when he gets poisoned and they have to rebuild the dress, which is one of the funniest moments in the whole movie mm. when those two old ladies come to Cyril's office and she just doesn't know what's happened. And it's like, Mr. Woodcock, he's fallen down. He's damaged the dress and there's shoe polish on the dress. Why is there shoe polish? Where did that come from? From his shoe. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? I, I, I love that bit of Cyril. Like, you know, just does not compute. Yeah. Um, but I, I wrote it down somewhere, I'm sure. Or maybe it was just in a dream or I was thinking about it. Um, there's a bit, you know, there's um, there are some things that do follow, obviously, the poisonings, the dress, etc. Um, but there's a few things where it's just, I think, or at least it struck me, that it's chronologically not right. Like, it, it's wrong. And I think on purpose, because I don't think, you know, mm. Anderson makes mistakes like this. Mm. Um, there's something, I'm sure one of them, there's something along the lines of um, she's only been working there for a few days or mm. something. And yet she's completely in, I- embedded in, oh, there's something, I can't remember what it is. Um, but And mm. I think this is done on purpose to, again, build suspense and dread. And, you know, you're not comfortable watching this because you don't know what's going on. Um, and I think it's on purpose and I think it's really clever I don't think they're jumping with someone but I do think they're just leaving very intentional gaps where it's like you're not going to see her like sign her contract with Cyril and decide like here's where you're going here's what we're going to be doing they're not going to introduce her she's just like no she's already there she's just there she's her, his model his muse yeah but I think that would happen in any film um, I, yes but I, there is something very dreamlike about the way it's put together it I is do agree that's with you. yeah I think I maybe that's think I just don't think it's, it's I, don't, I just don't think it's out of order in the same way but I, you Joe, you're very into the uh, into the romance of this movie at the end. Even though you you, men- you mentioned like the sort of genre shifts and the and the dread and, and mixing with it, which is what's so good. I think this is an incredibly smart romance about communicating the the incommunicable about those sorts of connections, which is another thing I think Licorice Pizza does incredibly well. Which is kind of like you guys are fucked. You've just met and it's sorry, you're in love. I can't. It's not. No, who says it was right or fair or easy? You just are. Tough luck. And in that movie, it's really sweet and lovely, even though it is a little bit strange. In this movie, it's kind of aggressive and unsettling, mm-hmm. but it is also full of like potential and power and passion. But I think the, the movie is a tragedy. I think it's a very, a, a deeply, up, a, a deeply sad movie about people who can't change. Like I said, and Alma is. Uh, I don't think she's going to prison because I think the doctor likes her and isn't going to tell. But I think Reynolds is dead at the end, or at least you know. Even if he's not there, like this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna fix it. They're not gonna establish a routine that's functional. Eventually, she's just gonna go too far and kill him, or mm-hmm. he's going to go too far and force her to leave. Uh, but you seem more like now they've reached an equilibrium where they can trade off each other, which I wish were the case. Because if it were, it would just be about this boy who mm. wants nothing more than to be mm-hmm. dommed by his wife. Martin likes that. <laughs> In the same no way, comment. that like. Matter and antimatter establish an equilibrium as they spin around each other before they collide in, in a huge explosion. 
And, you know, I- I- if your relationship can only continue because you routinely poison one of the members, um, it's not sustainable, is yeah. it? There's not much longevity there. Especially, I think, when he realizes that she's doing it. Like, I don't quite... That, for me, that would, would, would be the me. ending point. Like yeah. Um, and that confuses me. I think it confuses Alma and, and Reynolds as well. Um, oh, but I think Alma knows exactly what she's doing. And I, th- I really no, think no, you've no. explained she it. Knows like what she's she obviously, she knows what she's doing. But, you know, it only I think... it will <laughs> Not that I can really sympathise with trying to poison your other half or whatever reasons, but... Yeah, what are you talking about? It only really <laughs> works, surely. Like if, if he knows he's done this to her, then... I can't imagine it would be that lovely dovey or whatever when he's, you know, retching his guts up. Um, but I think she's is. a bit deluded. That's the weirdly sweet no, thing. It's like, because it's before she's telling the story about the fireplace to the doctor, it's that sweet scene of him, like, kind of on the toilet with a bowl going like, I think you, you better call... leave the room. Yeah, I think you better call um, the doctor. You, you think you should leave the room. Like, he's, like, so sweet about being helpless there. Mm. And it, it is the thing, of, like, that's before she enters her fantasy flash forward. That's before she tells the doctor. And you're like... Now I think that, but he does want that. It's just that, you know, as special as that can be, and he can be there, every time he's not, like, allowed to be a weak little boy, he must pretend to be a strong man, and he can't do it in a healthy way. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. uh, In my mind, I just think that they'll have to find, you know, they'll realise that this is just an act, another game. Mm. Um and he's doing it because he chooses to. And so she'll need to find a new way to make him vulnerable that, that he's not the, privy to. Th- sorry, just the dinner scene is my favourite scene. Which dinner scene? The, the asparagus. With, yeah. with Vicky Creeps just like oh, completely right, okay. annihilating him off the screen because she, com- she refuses to behave the whole movie. But that's where she's just like, I'm emotional. Stop being a cold prick. I'm having mm. an emotional response and it's really upset me. And she, del- you know, I think the lines are written this way, but like she repeats herself a lot and she gets like... Uh, damaging blows in and also damages herself in the way she talks like it's not she does feel like a teenage girl more than a sort of like respectable lady but it's, yeah, it's that's my favorite scene yeah did you have one martin that you, you come back to you i've not i've not pinpointed one i think we said like the new year's thing was really good um and now we've actually mentioned it the bit at the end where he is sat on the toilet <laughs> it is like a really weird sweet endearing moment and i don't like that i think that but i do <laughs> it's just like i gotta be on the toilet i gotta go shit myself yeah, yeah <laughs> it's it's bizarre in the way it's set up and it's low art it comes baby across. it's coming in it's a low art it's all poop jokes and, and bdsm that's all phantom fred is <laughs> i mean i don't know if i'd call that scene exactly <laughs> that but you know yeah do you reckon that's a thing in like you know sex dungeons where you can like have a dominatrix poison you and force you to shit yourself i wouldn't know (laughs) (laughs) no i'm not saying no i'm just asking do you think that i don't think there's a market for that (laughs) you don't i don't think there's a market for that if i'm being 100 percent honest on the record no i don't well well, I'm glad Comment down below what you think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll have to have that. Something we figured out recently, the, the polls, we can put them on Spotify. We can put the polls on Spotify. So if, if you're listening on Spotify, you can scroll down and, and vote on whether or not Phantom Fred is high, low, or no art. I, no, think, I, th- I think, you know. Are we not going to put that poll for this one? We're going to put about <laughs> getting poisoned by dominatrices <laughs> instead. Yay, nay. So you think we're trying for season two? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> no, I, th- I think, uh, yeah, I think we're all in agreement. This is high art. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we all like definitely. it. Yeah, yeah. I think before we wrap this up, can I just point out one thing that we haven't mentioned is how good was the score? 
Johnny Greenwood. I didn't know you'd love this so much <laughs> because it's nothing like uh, your stupid. I, mean, your, I love it. Your emo rock stuff that I love as it well. I, it is stupid. It is absolutely <laughs> no, stupid. I love it. It's not stupid. Um, but like, it's not like that at all. <laughs> I th- you know, m- movie scores aren't going to be something that I listen to in my spare time. It's not that kind of thing. But when scores fit, like they serve a purpose and do that excellently, I can definitely respect that. And the musicianship as well, being someone like Johnny Greenwood playing in Radiohead. Oh yeah, and then being you know, who are an incredible band and have written some masterpieces. Um, and then to be capable of... You think Radiohead's an incredible band and have written some masterpieces? Yeah, absolutely. You sure about that? Yeah, 100%. Radiohead. One of the most I've influential... I've never heard this about them. One yes, of the most obviously. influential... Radiohead. Yes. When were He's they big? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I genuinely thought you were, like, bashing Radiohead then. Me too. No, 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 oh, God. I, I'm sorry. not as big into Radiohead's post-2000 stuff, but I love the bands. Okay. But I'm, I'm boring. So. Well, well, no, I love like it. Like okay computer, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm. They're, they're masterpieces. They mm. are like classic 90s rock albums. Mm. So then for someone to go from doing that to something as subtle mm. as this kind of score, which is all just like piano bass and mm-hmm. like strings. really textured strings and stuff that aren't designed to be in your face as something like Radiohead would write. It's just so... It's just to elevate. It's it not. Does, it's yeah. it's not to be the focal point, and it really does such a fantastic job of that. The musicianship is incredible. I think mm. it is the focal point, though. That's one of the things that makes the romantic thing feel so powerful, and also the dread. When when he says "Kiss me, my girl, before I'm sick," you have Johnny Greenwood's score coming in, and it's one of the themes that is the darkest yeah, theme. So I think that's not the nice piano bit, not the Alma theme, not the fun Barbara Rose theme. It's like, <gasps> dum, dum. but I think that's where it, it serves its purpose, but. For me, like the focal point is like them kissing. Oh, yeah. Mm. And then this soundtrack is used to elevate that moment and to, to a higher point. As well. yeah. Like, yeah. I think that's all juxtaposition, like, baby. That's like that's just great fucking music filmmaking. Where, yeah. where Johnny, where PTA is like, and then they're gonna kiss. It's gonna be romantic. And Johnny Green is like, what if it was scary? <laughs> It, it's it's, it's just trying something score. different, isn't I, it? I it's trying something different. So and it's, much. Yeah, it's it really so is effective. It's fantastic. It's yeah. like you hit the Barbarossa theme, you just like, do, 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 do. And I just start like jamming out. I love it. It's so yeah. good. Really good. Probably one I would go as far as, of, let's say, the 11 films we've done so far, mm-hmm. that was the most effective score um, for me. Yeah, yes, I, I, I agree. Mean, yeah, I basically do completely that agree. Doesn't mean it's the one I'd like to listen to oh, the most. No, but yeah, but effective. for the no, film, this is the one I'd like to. And I love the Spider-Man and Hulk scores. I'd like to listen to the score for fucking time. <laughs> it's so good. You know, you, you want theme music? I got theme music. It's John <laughs> Greenwood. I mean, of course, he's also done. He did. You know, there will be blood. He has one mm. instrumental track in Licorice Pizza. Yeah, but that but this thing. I, I I love Phantom Thread. I really do. But I love Licorice Pizza more mm. because it, that's so my vibe of just like 70s rock music and like California and kids and having a crush on your hot babysitter, you know, like, uh, you know, that's 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 just so much more like that. That movie is sweet and really energetic and mm. and um, doesn't leave me with the same sort of like dread and tragedy in a way. Right. But, you know, I can't wait for you to see Licorice Pizza. It's going to be <laughs> great, Joe. I look uh, forward to it. All right. Uh, how do we end this? What are we doing next week, guys? I don't actually know what's on... On the list next, to be honest. You just closed the list, so I can't remember what's on it. Ah, well, I remember what's on it. Let me get my list up. If you remember it, why do you need the list up? Well, I, I want to say so. so <laughs> <laughs> good point. Next week. Okay, let's just say this. Hi, low or no? Hi. Hi. All right. Great. All good. Everyone vote in the, com- vote in the comments or the poll on our... Our podcast. I think this is the first time we've all said hi art. I think yes, this is the first time. We've yeah, I mean, it's art. it was quite difficult with superhero films yes. to yes. to give a lot of things. Yeah, especially high when you art. said that the Joker was high art. 
I mean, you ruined that because me and Joe said it was high art, so yeah. that was on you. But I think uh-huh. this is the first week we're in agreement that I think this so, yes. is high art. Oh, right? absolutely. Mm. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, uh, we never did our superhero recap episode. Maybe we'll do it in five years' time. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> but we'll you know, that. that that series was so interesting, I think, and Joe, and you picked up so many things that you, you liked, like Blade 2 and Constantine, uh, and mm. Martin got to see Batman and Robin for the first time. Yeah, I don't you know. know if that was a high point. I mean, this, this, this is the thing. Is this higher art than Venom? The question the audience must know. Is that the poll instead, then? <laughs> <laughs> Should we make a poll asking what they want the poll to be? That's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. Maybe. You have to give me the anchor login, so if I edit this, I'm going to go, like, poll this, yeah, this, I will, this. I will give the login for that. <laughs> but no, um... Next week, we're going into rom-com territory with one of my favorite, most undersung rom-coms of the last decade. No strings attached. The 2011 film starring Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher. Have you ever seen it, Joe? Because I haven't. That sounds so like early 20-teens. <laughs> my yep. God. No, I've, I've not seen it. It's um, good. It's going to be a real different episode to, uh, to this good. one, isn't it? I think so. Think so. It'll be fun. But, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to say it. You know, like it's... That movie, it's let yeah. Let, let's wrap it up because I think we're we're digressing here massively. Aye. You so think we're digressing? You think we should do more of that? I think we should do more of that. Maybe next week. Maybe next. Week. Maybe next week. <laughs> I think okay. we'll have digressions of plenty of no strings attached. That movie is. I really like it, but I mean, if anyone's asking why are you doing no strings attached, the movie about fuck buddies from twenty eleven, why aren't they doing friends with benefits? Well, we'll find out next week what exactly what I think of friends with benefits. Until okay. that week. It's goodbye from George. It's goodbye from Martin. Goodbye from Joseph. Thanks for listening, guys. We hope you enjoy it. We hope you're excited. Oh, God, we're excited. Let's, get this done, Let's have a drink of Charles and, like, I don't know, order some food from East. Hell yeah. Okay, we're, we're recording. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to play the theme song like that. And then we're going to uh, fade it down. <laughs> and um, then Joe is going to introduce us. Oh, l- oh, the group. Joe is going to go like, hello and welcome to... Remember how we do this? High, low, no. High, low, and no. Or no. High, low, or no. I wish you recorded this bit. I I, I, it's I, recording. It is recording. I wish that, I wish that <laughs> bit was going to make the final cut. I'll, I'll, I'll just move it to the end. Because <laughs> like, your theme song goes on so long, it's like at the end. And like, everyone's like, oh, I'm not listening to this. I'll be yeah. like an end credit singer. Go, I never know how quickly to fade out. Is. Do I just let it keep going for yeah. a little bit and then leave a little dead space at the end? Yeah. Now? It'll be like an, a Marvel end credit singer. That's what it'll be like. Just Joe getting the name wrong again. So, and then we'll find out if anybody truly listens to the kay. whole thing. So. <laughs>